0: Hello, once again, and welcome to this week's Realty Talk show. Well, we're at the time of year again, aren't we, when everyone is wondering what's in store for property next year, particularly in light of another incredible year that's continued to defy most expectations. So Bushy and I are delighted that Louis Christopher joins us in today's show to go into some detail from his Christopher's housing boom and bust report from SQM Research.
1: That is at what I regard a very restrictive level. It's causing stress out there in the community. And I think what we're going to see over the course of 2024 as a result is a rise in distress selling activity. And as mentioned before, a step back from would be home buyers.
0: The report released this week gives a full breakdown of every postcode in the country covering current market statistics and postcode investor ratings. I will have a link in the show description so you can get your own copy. And I've got to say at fifty nine ninety five, it's well worth it. Also this week, Bushy talks to new president of the Real Estate Agent Buyers Association, Melinda Jennison, over concerns about the conduct of some buyers agents in Australia.
2: We've had a huge increase in the number of buyers agents that have entered our industry. And what that means is that there's more and more entrants offering services to consumers. Um, however, not everybody provides the same level of service or the same level of professional in how they deliver their service.
0: And we'll hear from Melinda in just a moment. Hey, if this is your first time with us, welcome. You're going to find us on all podcast players and through the Southern Cross Oz Stereo Network. If you like the show, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Help us continue to bring you the best guests. Join the conversation anytime, of course, on Facebook at the Property Hub Collective. And don't forget, we'll have our Q&A webinar on the 4th of December. Back in just a moment as Bushy kicks off this week's show. Call BMT on one 728 726 today for an obligation-free quote. Realty Talk and your host, Bushy Martin.
3: Now, given relatively low barriers to entry, there's been considerable chat in property investment circles in recent times about the merits or otherwise of the rapidly growing buyer's agent sector. And to combat this, the Real Estate Buyer's Agents Association, or REBA, has been working very hard for many years now to ensure that members abide by a strict code of professional conduct and to further strengthen and energise buyer's professionalism and their standing in the industry, Reba has recently appointed a new president, Belinda Jennison, from Streamlined Property Buyers in Queensland, and she joins us today to reveal her future vision. So welcome to Realty Talk, Belinda.
2: Thank you for having me, Bushy. I'm excited to be here and, um, and to update the industry and what we are doing as an association group at Reba.
3: Absolutely. Well, uh, to so- spell out and start off with the absolutely obvious mind what is Reba?
2: Well, REBA is the acronym. It does stand for the Real Estate Buyers Agents Association of Australia. So we are the peak professional body representing buyers agents across the nation. Uh, The body was established back in the year 2000. So we've existed for a number of years. And the purpose behind the, the original establishment was to raise the bar, set minimum standards for what we believe um, the industry requires for consumers to ensure that they're working with a reputable buyer's agent. Um, and also just to ensure that um, people are adequately qualified, adequately licensed, and also um, adequately insured to represent buyers.
3: Yeah, awesome. Now, uh, given that the association has been going for you know a couple of decades or more now, uh, what's your vision for the organisation in the future?
2: Yeah, there's been a change of the Guards just recently. Our past president Kate Bacos has stepped down after a number of years of leadership and, of course, prior to her, Rich Harvey. So, you know, first and foremost, I do want to carry on the legacy of past leaders of our organisation. They've certainly set up an establishment that does raise the bar in terms of professional standards within the industry. So, of course, maintaining those professional standards and ensuring that new buyers agents that join our association do meet the code of conduct that we set in place as Um, a requirement for buyers agents to act professionally on behalf of buyers. That's first and foremost. Um, Secondly, I do believe that REBA um, will be working in the years ahead on establishing some strategic alliances. And this is already something that REBA has been working on over the last 12 months or so. um, Strategic alliances with each real estate institute across different states. Um, So just recently, I presented on behalf of REBA at the Real Estate Institute of Queensland, where they ran a specific program tailored for buyers agents. And of course, there's not a lot of training that's specifically tailored for buyers agents. So we believe through collaboration um, with each real estate industry partner within each state, it's going to actually raise and elevate the amount of training that will be available to buyers agents. And of course, just further enhance consumer awareness. So, a lot of consumers are not aware of um, what a buyer's agent's role is in the real estate transaction. It is an emerging industry here in Australia. Um, It is more established overseas. So really helping to educate the consumer on one, how to select a buyer's agent that will look after their best interest, but also um, how to ensure that they're going to be best represented throughout that real estate transaction and the value that a buyer's agent can actually add to that transaction. So that's a big vision. Um, I've got big shoes to fill, but um, I'm really passionate about what I do and, and helping to forge ahead a new pathway for our association.
3: Fantastic. Well, I, I can hear the passion and the energy uh, coming out as is, you is, is speak there, Melinda. So, uh, so why is a revitalised strategic direction for REBA important?
2: I think the most important thing is that uh, REBA as an association group needs to adapt to the changing environment. So if we reflect back on the last five or six years here in Australia, we've had a huge increase in the number of buyers agents that have entered our industry. And what that means is that there's more and more entrants offering services to consumers. Um, However, not everybody provides the same level of service or the same level of professional in how they deliver their service. And so I believe that there is um, a requirement to not only educate the consumer on what we believe is the minimum standard that they should expect, but also educate those buyers agents that may already be operating in the industry or that may, all be, may be thinking of entering the industry so that they too can understand uh, what a minimum service recommendation looks like. And so as an organisation group, as a professional body representing buyers agents, we want to ensure that consumers receive the service that they're paying for. It's not just a quick transaction. It's an advocacy role. So we are protecting their interests. We are ensuring that the due diligence is completed. We are providing accurate price guidance. We are not there to facilitate a fast, quick transaction at an inflated price. We're here to get the best outcomes for property buyers. um, And that sometimes means working collaboratively with sales agents, but certainly not with sales agents um, to get the desired result for our clients. So there's a big part in um, ensuring that we not only educate um, consumers, but also educate buyers agents that are entering the industry because there has been so much change over the last five years. So we really want to make sure that we are raising the bar for all because we don't want our industry to get a bad name because of some that may not be maintaining the standard that we recommend.
3: Yeah, that's fantastic, and you've you've reinforced some really important distinctions there, uh, both for the industry and and for those that are looking to uh, secure property. So, so, so jumping forward, then, what are some of the risks that exist in the buyers agent industry within Australia, then, Melinda?
2: Well, again, I think that leads back to you know what I was just discussing, the fact that our industry is growing rapidly. There is risk to the consumer in um, not understanding what the full scope should look like. And there's the risk, therefore, that the perception of the value out of our service could decline over time unless um, the, the association uh, group as a whole, but also those buyers agents that are operating in this space, raise the bar. So at least consumers that partner with a Reba accredited buyer's agent, they know they're going to get someone that meets minimum standards. We are not an association group where people pay their membership fees and have immediate access. Um, with Uh, members that join our association they are required to prove that they are adequately licensed in every state that they operate within they are required to show their processes so that we as an association can assess their processes against what minimum standards should be within the industry and unfortunately not everybody that applies to our association group actually gains access but once they do um, they then get uh, further training further skill development and then that raises the bar um, as a whole within the industry. So I think that the changing environment across the buyer's agent space has been a big risk to the industry. But I also think the interruption of AI, there's so much artificial intelligence. I feel that um, a lot of people, especially property investors, more and more feel like they can rely purely on data to make property selections. It's a big risk, in my opinion. I think data is great At a macro level, it can lead you to a location. However, nothing can replace on-the-ground knowledge, local knowledge, um, understanding buyer depth, understanding how many people are turning up to open homes, understanding what the owner-occupier or the tenant want in a particular home in a particular location. Data doesn't lead us to that granular information and so there will always be a place for buyer's agents is just managing how we integrate that artificial intelligence with our on the ground knowledge. And I don't think there's any better solution than combining both um, so that people get the best possible outcomes. I'll also say that the the buyer's agent space has become so much more competitive as well. So I feel that buyer's agents as a whole will be looking for their own competitive advantage within the marketplace and differentiating themselves from others, because as more and more buyers agents enter the industry, it will be important for consumers to be able to filter through buyers agents to work out who's going to be the best partner for them. So there's a lot of risks that we see in the future. And of course, as an association group, we are aware of those risks and we're trying to help educate people around how to navigate through those, those risks in the future.
3: Yeah. Beautifully said. I, uh... I can't agree with you more in relation to that that blend between uh, the, the the data, the desktop stuff, uh, but the real need for intimate local knowledge and boots on the ground because uh, something can look great on the PC, but unless you understand the local perceptions and how various areas are viewed, as you know better than I, Belinda, you know, properties in one street can look very different from uh, properties in a street, just a block away uh, that's right so, uh, that that level of uh, intimacy and understanding and and really uh, getting a grip of what the perception and sentiment is around various locations is as important as the is the quantitative stuff that you find on the desktop so beautifully said look uh, i really want to thank you for the this very refreshing and timely update melinda it certainly reinforces the need for property investors and buyers who are looking to engage a buyer's agent to assist with their property purchases to ensure that whoever they're engaging, they make sure they're a member of REBA, which they can confirm at reba.com.au. That's reba.com.au. So thanks again for joining us on Realty Talk today, Melinda.
2: It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Successful
0: property investment is a game of finance. Do you have the right team and the right game plan? Realty Talk is brought to you by Know How Property. More than mortgage brokers, Bushy Martin and his team of investment architects set you up with a sustainable strategy structured to lower your costs, tax, risk and stress while increasing your capacity for growth. Knowhow has helped over 1,900 homeowners and investors secure more than 800 million dollars in property wealth. So get set to live more, work less, and live your legacy. Want to know how to invest in your freedom? Visit knowhowproperty.com.au. At Realty Media Group, we've created and combined a suite of products to service the property distribution and marketing sector in Australia. We streamline the process, saving agents and consumers' time and money. RMG's AI-powered proprietary solutions are set to shake up the Aussie market. Investment expressions of interest through Swarmer are open now. Don't miss out. This is Realty Talk, powered by realty.com.au hello and welcome and uh, as we said in the introduction louis christopher every year brings out his boom and bust report and it's one that we anxiously await he joins bushy and i now as we're going to have a look at that report g'day louis how you
1: doing g'day kevin g'day bushy nice to be with you both
3: yeah we always look forward to this time of the year louis yeah uh, it's a great christmas present your boom and bust report so we're really <laughs> looking to diving into it today
1: no answer. problem at all. Glad uh, glad we can uh, help, and and hopefully uh, we'll have the forecast right for twenty twenty four.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I I tell you what, we'd love to do uh, to kick things off, Louis. Yeah, uh, getting into it is uh, get you a bit of a give us a bit of a background about the report in terms of how it's put together and what it actually covers for those that might not have come across it yet.
1: No problem. So uh, in the report itself, what we do is we take a very much what we call a top down approach to our forecasting. So we first look at the nation, what we think are going to be the big macroeconomic drivers of housing prices uh, over the course of 2024, and what's also actually transpired over 2023 to see how the market has moved and what's been driving the markets. Uh, As mentioned, it's a top-down approach. So what we eventually do in the report is get down to the postcodes where we actually issue ratings on each individual postcode in the country, plus provide data on what's happened on each individual postcode in the country. Hence the reason why the report ends up being about 135 pages. The media, of course, you know, we, we, we focus on the capital cities. That's what the media love to cover. And we put that out in a public media release. But the data on those individual postcodes, we just leave that for the report. Uh, so readers have got something extra there that perhaps the general public do not have
0: yeah so we're gonna we're gonna cover off on those uh those high points as well but i just i might mention louis that we're going to put a link in the description below that'll take you straight to where you can get that report and as louis said you know it's over well over a hundred pages in the report and going into great detail suburb by suburb so it's a it's a very good report well worth the fifty nine ninety five uh that you'll pay for it so louis um I'm always keen every time you and I talk about the boom and bust just to wind the clock back 12 months because you do it every year. How how did the results in real time stack up against your predictions from this time last year?
1: Yeah, so this time last year, we forecasted that there would be a housing market recovery. I think we were one of the very few to forecast that. Uh, certainly the banks didn't forecast that. Uh, the reason why we forecasted a recovery um, this time last year was that we were expecting a very strong uh, migration rate for 2023. All the leading indicators were suggesting that. We also, at this time last year, um, had a cash rate, which was running at the time in the low threes, well and truly below the inflation rate. And when you see that, that generally, just- Finally, uh, create stimulus in the housing market. Over and above that, it was pretty clear to us that we would be underbuilding in twenty twenty three, and that the rental crisis would roll on. And then finally, as we went to print last year, we were just noticing some leading indicators such as auction clearance rates, listings that were suggesting that there was a little bit of strength coming to, in particular, the Sydney housing market. Uh, So I think the combination of all those gave us the conviction and confidence that uh, the market would actually pick up in 2023, despite the rises in interest rates over 2022
3: yeah nicely said so uh, jumping into the future then just to whet our appetites before we sort of dive into the nitty gritties what, what's your overall view about how markets are going to perform in 2024
1: well our, our view is a little bit more negative uh, compared to 2033 uh bushy uh we believe we will see a correction of sorts uh in the sydney housing market as well as the melbourne housing melbourne housing market plus the hobart and canberra housing markets where we're particularly bearish on. So when we consider what drove the market up this, this year, as mentioned, interest rates being lower than uh, the inflation rate, that factor has narrowed up considerably. Uh, and when we have the when we consider the outlook for inflation, which we think inflation is going to fall in 2024, we're going to end up in what's called real positive interest rate territory. And that's generally quite restrictive for the economy and the overall housing market. It's where interest rates are generally quite higher compared to the inflation rate. Uh, That combined with the fact that, okay, over the course of 2023, it was a relatively strong economy. Employment growth was still solid. That's something that we did predict would occur. But our prediction on employment for 2024 is weaker. We believe the unemployment rate will rise and will certainly rise above 4%. We're already starting to see some leading indicators of that now. For example, job ads have been declining. Uh, And generally, slower employment growth and or higher unemployment is not conducive to a strong housing market. Over and above that, migration. Now, everybody's been talking about migration uh, and it's definitely been a factor and will continue to be a factor in 2024. However, we do believe that at this point in time right now, we're reaching the peak of migration growth. And we think it will be a slightly slower year next year in terms of net overseas arrivals. And that's definitely a key contingency in our forecasts. We'll be wrong with our forecast next year if migration runs as strong as what happened this year but we're reasonably confident, no, that, you know that this year was a very abnormal year and we will see a bit of a slowdown in net overseas arrivals in 2024. That will impact upon the Sydney housing market and the Melbourne housing market in particular, uh, if we're right about that. Uh, and then finally, okay, at the beginning of the year, we had interest rates lower than where we what we have now. You may recall last year, we talked about what would happen if the cash rate crossed over 4% and we call it our false dawn scenario, where the market would recover, but given cash rates get into that restrictive area, uh, that would create a lot of stress out there with existing property owners and would deter a lot of would-be home buyers. Well, we're now got a cash rate of 4.35%. That is at what I regard a very restrictive level. It's causing stress out there in the community, and I think what we're going to see over the course of 2024 as a result is a rise in distress selling activity, and as mentioned before, a step back from would-be home buyers. But keep in mind in all this, guys, this is this is a mixed housing market we're forecasting for 2024. We're not anticipating housing price falls everywhere. We think Perth and Brisbane are actually going to clearly upperform despite the rise in interest rates, and we can go into that in more detail if you like.
0: Yeah, I'd like to, I wanted to ask you about drivers uh, in, in a moment. Before I do, I picked up on your comment about Perth and Brisbane. Um, what, what, What's driving that prediction of growth, uh, Louis, compared to Sydney, Melbourne, you know? Yes, Sydney, uh,
1: pre- predominantly a better than expected uh, commodities market outlook. So we believe that the stimulus which has been presently injected into into the Chinese economy is going to work. The amount of stimulus we're talking about here is the same that we had back in 2008. And back in that year, it really got the Chinese economy going. We think the same thing's going to happen. Uh, And that should mean ongoing strong demand for base commodities, in particular iron ore. And you will note, you will note that iron ore prices have actually been rising of late. They've been fairly lofty, and that's because the market, the iron ore market, is is pricing in uh, this stimulus in the Chinese economy. And so if we're right about this and commodity prices just hold at their current levels, that's going to stimulate the Perth and Brisbane economies. Uh, And just keep in mind, as you might be aware, particularly Kevin and Bushy, the Brisbane economy does have exposure to the global commodities market. You've got a lot of big mining companies with their head offices in the Brisbane CBD. And it's played out historically when we've had strong commodity markets, Brisbane, the Brisbane housing market tends to do well. And when we've had weaker commodity markets like we had in, in between, say, 2013 through to 2016, the Brisbane housing market tends to be a little bit softer. And I think that's one of the main reasons why we've we've come out with our forecast over and above that affordability is relatively better compared to Sydney and Melbourne and we also believe interstate migration is going to remain strong towards Southeast Queensland notwithstanding we're a little bit bearish on the Gold Coast Market I've got to say that
0: okay fair enough hey I, I can see what's going to happen um your prediction is likely to be absolutely correct we're going to see the Brisbane market pick up and i can hear it now oh it's all on the back of the olympics is it really going to make much of a difference is that is that no, no it's
1: not all on the back of the olympics no that's um, what i mean yeah it, 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 this this coming year it's going to be more on the back of as mentioned this um this good commodities income coming into the country which yeah. brisbane uh, has exposure to as well as other townships in queensland that's what's going to drive the prices next year, but I do believe as we get closer and closer to the Olympics, we see greater infrastructure spend, which should uh, maintain fairly solid employment growth. Brisbane is going to benefit from that, just as Sydney did uh, in the lead up to the 2000 Olympic Games.
0: Yeah, living in Brisbane now. Sorry, Bushy, I keep cutting in here. But uh, living in Brisbane as I do, you know, look at the infrastructure that's happening. Hey, mate, can I just move on to the key drivers? What do you think we should be watching out for that's going to influence the market direction next year?
1: Yes, well, look, there's there's two contingencies here. We've spoken one about a migration. The other scenario we've run is uh, what's called our energy crisis scenario. So this is a scenario where... Uh, the events in the Middle East really get out of control Uh, and it gets out of control to the point of what we had in the late 1970s where there's some type of attempted oil embargo uh, that occurs in the Middle East as a result of the the current tensions. Uh, And in that scenario, you could expect oil prices in particular to skyrocket. This would be a scenario where there's an attempt to basically block oil coming out of the Middle East now, in that scenario, central banks around the world, certainly including our Reserve Bank, would be forced to aggressively lift interest rates because they'd be facing a new wave of higher inflation. In that scenario, it would be very we would be very hard-pressed to um, avoid a recession. Uh, and with that type of aggressive interest rates, we're talking about interest rates going well north of 5% in terms of the cash rate. I think we would see a deeper correction in the australian housing market so that's one to watch for we don't know exactly how the middle east is going to play out but it's clearly a risk and it's a risk we had to this year really take into account um we don't know if that's like i said we don't know it's, if that's going to play out hopefully it doesn't it's not our absolute base case but it's certainly a scenario where we had to run some numbers on
3: yeah perfect well you've given us we've had a sneak peek at the four scenarios that you've uh Put up, thank you, uh, Louis, uh, just to run through that. Can you sort of, returning back to your base case, can you give us a a summary on uh, what's likely to happen around the country as far as that uh, base scenario is concerned?
1: Yeah, no problem. So our national forecast is for dwelling prices to change between minus one to plus 3%. That kind of though hides what's going to happen in each capital city, um, because overall it is a mixed market. So, the cities which we're more bearish on include Hobart, where we're forecasting a minus seven to minus three um, percentage decline, Canberra, minus eight to minus 4%, Darwin, minus three to plus 1%. As mentioned before, with Sydney, we're forecasting a minus four to uh, an unchanged result, Melbourne, a minus three to plus one and then uh, as mentioned before perth and brisbane the cities we're most bullish on perth we're forecasting a, five, a plus five to plus nine percent price increase and brisbane plus four to plus eight uh so they are the forecasts. they um one of the factors we we um uh, maybe have just touched on there is supply so we're only forecasting an increase in in dwellings of about one hundred fifty three thousand dwellings for next year Uh, that means the rental market's still going to be very, very tight. Now, some of these cities are are actually affected by a little bit of surplus coming into the market in terms of dwellings. So, for example, Canberra, from what we can see in the approval numbers, the completion numbers, has had a little bit of an increase in supply, uh, which has caused a rise in rental vacancy rates over the course of 2023. I think that combined with with the elevated interest rates we currently have um plus our anticipation that the federal government's going to just try and hold spending back uh over this current financial year and try 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 to keep their powder dry for the election year I think that could affect the local economy of Canberra as well now with Hobart that's another city where we're forecasting greater declines that city seems to be affected now by the rising interest rate environment. We've been recording some pretty um, big rises in distress listings activity for the city of Hobart. It's it's grown quite dramatically uh, since this time last year. I think the local community there are definitely far more sensitive to interest rate rises. They're sensitive to a slower economy as well. And over and above that, We talk about this strong migration numbers coming through. Well, they haven't really been flowing through to Tasmania. If you look at the actual interstate migration numbers, the overall population numbers of Tasmania, they've been recording slower population growth over the past 12 months. Back to kind of what we saw back in the early noughties, where it was actually pretty minute in terms of the population increase. So that's been concerning us as well, over and above the fact that Hey, uh, Hobart. The city of Hobart's had a massive run in house prices since 2015, yeah. um, and it, it's really hard to find good value there at this point in time.
0: Are we, yeah, look, I was, was going to. Sorry, bushy. I was going to ask you in a moment about um, the regions. But just before we do that, can, can I just ask you a question about distressed property? Because I, I know you take a, a really good look at that, and you know we get your reports on the number of distressed properties, and you mentioned Hobart there. Uh, what what yep. are the other uh, flashpoints around the country where you think there's going to be an emergence of these distressed properties? Because it's always it's a great report you put out and it's always good to keep an eye on it.
1: What's the, yes. what is well, going well, to be the level? Yeah, so I'll just bring up our distressed listings account live now so uh, you get an understanding of what we're actually reporting at. overall distressed listings uh, over the course of 2023 actually trended downwards. Uh, led by falls and distressed listings uh, in Queensland uh, and Victoria as well. But we've noted an increase in recent weeks, and that increase has actually been driven by New South Wales and Tasmania, as discussed uh, just just then. Um, And so when we consider the state of New South Wales, at this point in time, we're recording 1,293 properties selling under distress. Uh, conditions. Now, in New South Wales, back in 2022, uh, at the beginning of 2022, there was only about 725 properties selling under distress listings. So it's been increasing since that year. And in recent weeks, it's really trended up. It's actually gone up by about 10% just in the last few weeks. Now, I'm not sure what's going on there other than to say I think the present interest rate settings are starting to bite the community.
3: Mm, interesting. Now, you've given us a really good run through what's happening in the, the capital cities, Louis, and I, I know there's a lot of detail in the report uh, that goes much wider than that. Can you sort of uh, sort of wet our appetite a little bit in terms of, of what you're seeing likely to happen in the regions, given that regions have been the talk of the town over the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, well, look, I, I think it's a mixed outlook on the regions. Uh, we're concerned for rural townships as we go further into the El Nino event. Uh, as you might be aware, a number of townships' housing prices and rural prices really skyrocketed over 2021 and 2022. Coincidentally, and it's not coincidentally, um, those areas had good rainfall from the La Nina event. Uh, our concern is that, okay, we see a big drought and we think the probabilities are high that we'll see increasing drought over the course of 2024. That's going to affect the prices of real estate, both housing and rural acreage real estate in a number of, of our rural regions over next year. And I, I I, I do caution investors for these areas because I think they'll, they'll be buying at the top of the market. They are areas where historically you've seen a lot of volatility in prices, and you just got to be careful about borrowing money and buying at the top of some of these areas. That um, that's the case for rural areas now. Townships, where especially in Western Australia's northwest, like Karatha, we're expecting a boom period, um, given the the very high and elevated iron prices and our forecasts that iron ore prices are going to stay elevated over the course of 2024. So areas, uh, townships which have got exposure to base commodities, we're expecting prices to rise. So hence the reason why we're taking a mixed outlook uh, in regional areas. I hasten to add, I've got to say, look, any small township with a narrow economic base, I really think these areas are not for novice investors. They're only for professional investors who already have a pretty deep portfolio and can afford to lose money.
0: Hey, Louis, we're gonna leave it there, mate, but thank you so much. Really appreciate your time and all the effort that goes into this report. Just a reminder, you can pick up um, Christopher's housing boom and bust report from SQM Research. It's available on the link below. Uh, and uh, the price is 59.95, well worth every, every cent. Uh, and by the way too if you'd like to make a comment on that um you can do that by jumping into the property hub collective facebook community page uh just go and uh, search in facebook uh, property hub collective uh bushy i'm sure you want to join with me in thanking louis for you know another absolutely. great report and another
3: tremendous- absolutely i always look forward to this time of the year louis and uh, thanks for your continued efforts in this regard it's uh uh, if we're looking for reliability, transparency and balance in terms of what's happening, you know, we always turn to SQM. So thanks for uh, giving us the, the heads up on the insights for next year.
1: Uh, thanks for return, guys. And, and I hope uh, the, your audience uh, gets something out of that. Uh, it's going to certainly be a very interesting year.
0: Mate, they'll really get a lot more out of it if they go and buy it. So go and buy that report. Good on you, Louis. Nice talking to you, mate. Thank you. Hi, just before we go back to the show, uh, I want to spend a few seconds and tell you about a book that was sent to me that's now become my go-to reference when I'm looking for inspiration about property investment. You know, sometimes it's not about knowing all the answers. It's certainly more important to know what questions to ask. This book by Rasti uh, is called The Property Wealth Blueprint. And it's one that you don't read just once and then put it away. It stays out as a reference. It's a book that you go back to time and time again, as I do, because it's packed with personal experience and with great examples of how to get property investment right. Uh, It's very frank, it's to the point. And as you can see here, uh, I've needed to bookmark several points. And I can tell you that it's a constant companion on my desk here. The remarkable thing is that it's absolutely free on Rasti's website, GetRare.com.au. Get Rare. it's a gateway to a richer life. The website there for you again, GetRare, R-A-R-E.com.au. So get this book. Get it for yourself. Subscribe now to Realty Talk. It's out every week. And that brings us to the end of this week's show. A big thanks to Melinda and Louie for a great show. Make sure you don't miss a single episode of Realty Talk or Bushy's Get Invested podcast delivered to you each week by subscribing at The Property Hub now on your favorite podcast player or wherever you're listening to or watching the show. Also, join the conversation anytime on Facebook at The Property Hub Collective and join us for that Q&A on the 4th of December. Thanks to our supporters and content partners, realty.com.au, BMT Tax Depreciation, Know How Property Finance, Get Rare Property, and Apiro Marketing. I'm Kevin Turner, and on behalf of Bushy and the Property Hub team, we look forward to seeing you again next week.